Well, how are y'all doing? Everybody's good? Y'all hot? It's hot. I'm get organized here. I, you know, God gave me a message a couple weeks, probably about six weeks ago, and it started stirring in me. I thought, this is going to be good, this is going to be great, and kind of rolling around in me, and then um, some things happened where I, uh, I wasn't able to preach right then when it was, and so you kind of watch what the topic is of what's being preached, and um, over the past few days, past few services, I'm like, Man, this message just, um, I don't know, I'm going to have to rethink all this, because this isn't, this isn't in line with what God's doing. I think he's changed direction for what I had was for back then. i got to get something new, but um, he worked it out, because we could really kind of, y'all want to go now, because worship just kind of preached the whole thing. <laughs> y'all just too hot, y'all can go get some ice cream at Saturday. <laughs> it's good, I'm going to tell you. Um, Steve, you gave the word, he is faithful. If I can leave y'all with one thing tonight, that's it. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. If y'all don't get anything else out of it, you know me, I'm going to bring some science into it. I'm going to show y'all some visuals and all that good stuff. I'm going to talk, I'm going to ramble. But if you don't get anything else out of it, get that he is faithful. And he wants you to know that tonight. He is faithful. So the name of this um, sermon message is A Matter of Trust. Today is the 6th, June 6, 2012. Um, I might mess with the order of things a little bit, David, so just hang with me if you can. Uh, We can go ahead and pull up. I'm going to break the ice a little bit. Let's pull up this first set of slides. Y'all heard of first world problems, right? Like we have third world problems, which are like real problems, like starvation. But we live in a first world country, and we have our own problems that we like to whine about. And I came across some of these, and I just thought these were kind of funny. They might hit home a little bit. You got any of them? My shoe came untied, had to retie it, now it's tighter than the other one. I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this one, if you can't read it, I was, someone posted this on Facebook, so how many times have y'all seen it? I was eating Oreos, and I was dunking it in milk, and the cookie broke and sunk to the bottom. So now I'm just staring at the glass and wondering why bad things happen to good people. <laughs> like, these are like our real issues, right? In America, this, this is the thing that we struggle with. When the latch is broken at HEB gas station, and I put the gas on the whole time, and my hand gets frozen to the sword, you know, like, who was it with the person to the sword after? So I'm like, healing my fingers off. Yeah, that's our problem. Forgot I was watching a recording and sat through the commercials. <laughs> There's nothing to drink at home except the virtually unlimited supply of clean, fresh drinking water. <laughs> I feel like that all the time. We don't have any milk. Want a milk? Drink water. Yeah, I can go next. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of these. Um, this is one of my favorites. Facebook keeps changing things, so it's taking me longer to stalk people. <laughs> this is what perplexes our days most of the time, right? I went to change the channel, but I'm all—I want to change the channel, but I'm all snuggled in a blanket and the remote is over there. So I'll just watch the food network. Okay, no one's Okay, this. I thought there's actually a website called First World Solutions, and it's products to solve our first world problems, because this is how pampered and spoiled we are. This is a goatee saver. It's like a temper that you never get an uneven goatee, right? This is $20. This is great, right? Somebody's making money off of these things. You should be feeding 
Indian children and this is where we're going. Okay, go to this. <laughs> Hang up. Now, I'm going to tell on some of y'all because I know some of y'all. Y'all don't like your food to touch. Oh. <laughs> so keep your food from touching bread. <laughs> Type and walk. And so you can hold your cell phone up and the camera will image what's coming up so you don't have to look down. Type and walk. You can just type walk. You don't have to actually interact with anybody in real space. You can just keep right there. I think that's it. Okay, so but that, that's just all in jest. We you know, we complain about a lot of things in our lives. We have we have silliness that we verbalize a lot of the time and it's really it's really just that. It's silliness. Well we do have real problems. We're not in a third world country, but we do have real problems. You know, there are people here that are struggling with relationships. You need relationships restored. You need healing of a broken heart. You need healing in your physical body. You need a job. You need a place to live. You need companionship. You want a baby. These are real problems. These are real issues that we have. But God is faithful. He is faithful, and He is the solution to all of this. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, there's there's some problem. There's some problems that we have. Okay, right? There's a couple categories. You know me. I'm got. I got to be logical. So we we need provision. That's a real need. We need to be provided for. So. You're longing for a husband, or maybe you're longing for a better husband. Not a different husband. I didn't say a different husband. A better husband, okay? <laughs> that, that's an issue of provision. You, you're needing to be provided for, right? God made you to be provided for, so that's a very real need. Healing. The Word says that by His stripes we are healed. He knows that we need healing, and He provides that healing. He is the source of that. We need protection, right? We need we need shelter. We need a house to live in. We also need protection from um, undue things that we shouldn't be carrying. You know, we need we need protection from the Lord. He is the source of that. We need restoration, whether in our own lives from the, the own damage we've done to ourselves through sin or someone else has done to us. We need restoration, and all of this is found. The answer is found in Jesus. He knows what we need, and He is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Okay, so let's, let, I'm, we're going to go into science here. If y'all just bear with me, I'm going to lay down some foundation, and then we'll get into some really good word. But I want to tell y'all about, I want to tell y'all about some stuff I learned about the hummingbird. Can you pull up that first slide of the hummingbird? Y'all ever, like, watch, do y'all watch PBS? Do y'all watch any science channel? I'll do this, right? Okay. We're going to get your weekly dose right here. Science. God's creation is amazing. Okay, this is a... This is a hummingbird. Y'all seen hummingbirds? They're really fast, okay? They fly really fast. Um, there's a video. David, can we cue that video? This is at a quarter speed, one-fourth the speed. Okay, so this is, they can hover. They're amazing creatures. They're the only birds that can fly upside down, backwards. They can move backwards. Um, they're, they're built for this. They're designed for this. Okay, this is at a quarter speed. Their wings flap up to 200 times per second. I mean, you can't even see this. You have to slow it down to be able to see the movements of this bird. Um, their average wing flap is 25 beats per second, per second, which works out to be 1,500 per minute. So can you imagine the caloric need, the amount of food that these birds need to take in? Their heart rate is 1,200 beats per minute. Well, I mean, we, we exist to what, like, if you're good, you're good and healthy about 70 when you're not exercising, okay, 1,200 beats per minute. So these birds, um, there are, yeah, you can go ahead because who knows what YouTube's going to pop up on us. 
These birds are always, their entire lives, they're hours from starvation. Their entire lives, they exist hours from starvation. And I want to tell you how many birds, how many how many birds they estimate the population is right now in the world, right now. Not previous generations, not, you know, when God created them and all of them. Right now, there's about 7 million birds. How many humans are on the planet right now? About 7 million. I want you to know that these birds live hours from starvation their entire life, and yet God provides for them. Amen. So we stand and we ask, how am I going to pay my light bill? Do you not know that the Lord loves you more than he loves this creature? Do you not know this? Let me show you something else. There are 350 species of hummingbirds. Can you pull up this? Here's just, this is just some that are in America. There's 300 different species. They're all uniquely designed. You can see some of their bills. Some of them are long, some of them are short, some of them are curved. Go to the next slide. They're all uniquely designed for the flower that feeds them. I'm going to let that sink in. Their body is designed for the flower that feeds them, the source that feeds them. They're designed to, to receive from that flower. So you have a short-billed bird in a short flower. Go to the next one. There's a long bill for a long flower. Now, what happens if that bird gets mad and decides he doesn't like what that flower is putting out anymore and he wants to go to the church down the street? <laughs> but you are uniquely designed for the source that God made for you. I watched this this whole documentary on PBS. It's really awesome. If y'all are interested, go to PBS. It's free. You can watch it on. But this whole documentary, and they there's this this bird, one of these hummingbirds, this is a curved one, you see how it fits into the curve of the flower. There's one and his beak is so long, it's about like if we had a four foot chopstick on the end of our face. Okay? And he, and he carries this around. I mean, could you carry that around? He's uniquely designed for this because there's this flower where he's got to get to the very back pocket of it. And of course, the scientists are saying, well, he evolved this and the flower evolved to feed him. And I say, no, God designed it because my word says that. And I'm just doing that. So uh, let me, let's move on. Let's move on to something else. Hummingbirds are awesome. That's just one thing. There's 10,000 species of birds. This is one species. And look how God chooses to provide for them. I mean, this is just, God's a show-off, y'all. I mean, if you haven't seen it, this is one species of bird. There are 10,000 birds. And then how many water creatures are there? How many land creatures are there? How many insects are there? And he provides for all of them. And we are the crowning jewel of creation. And yet we stand and we say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how you've asked too much of me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he's going to provide. His creation is testifying to us all the time. That he loves you and he provides for these that help us more. If y'all been attending Monday nights, um, Pastor Eric's been teaching us something in Hebrews where there, there's this comparison where he says, this was good, this is even better. It's not that this was bad, it's that it was really good, but this is even better. That's good, that's beautiful. I mean, look how his little beak is curved to fit inside this flower. That's good. But what he gives us is even better. Amen. Let's, let's go to the next one. I want to tell y'all something about restoration. This is a fern, right? It's called a resurrection fern. And the reason why, well, let me back up a bit. This fern does not grow out of the ground. It does not have seed. It has spores, which is whatever type of seed, I guess. It's called an air plant. So it floats through the air and it lands on an oak 
forest cypress, which I think is an interesting choice of tree for this demonstration. It lands on this and it gets its nutrients from the air, from the breath of God, the words, the okay? He gets his water from whatever collects right near him on the bark, okay? And this farm can go a hundred years without a drop of water. Go to the next slide. That's what it looks like. It dies, right? It looks like it's hopeless. And then it gets a little, just a little mist of water and it comes back to life within 24 hours. A hundred years. So don't stand and tell me that whatever it is, is too gone. Your relative is too gone. That relationship is too broken. Your heart is in too many pieces. Don't tell me that because God does this with plants. <laughs> and his affection is set on you. Amen. If he can resurrect that, he can resurrect anything Amen. in your life. So don't Amen. And don't stop praying. Amen. Let's go to the next one. I want to show you all about the suck. This is just another shot. The dry fern, the living, resurrected fern. Yeah, it's pretty living to me. It looks, looks pretty alive to me. Okay, let's go to the next one. This is a shot of a small little piece of the universe. This is actually um, the Hubble telescope peered into what they thought was an empty spot in the sky. And they peered way far back and this is what they found. And those are not stars. Those are galaxies. And so I don't know if y'all want to, maybe after service somebody get up here and count how many galaxies. <laughs> but just take my word for it. They estimate in the known universe that there are billions of galaxies. And in each galaxy, there are billions of stars. So our God is not a small God. Your life may be small. Your problems may seem big to you, but our God is bigger than all of this. Go to the next one. These are just a few of different galaxies. I mean, and it's just beautiful. I, I just am so amazed. This is a whirlpool galaxy. There's a there's billions, not like a billion, which would be a lot, billions of stars in this galaxy. I, I just I get amazed when I look at this stuff. And for you homeschoolers that are gonna be in my class next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the next one. Is that it on this one? Okay. Oh, yeah. Y'all seen this email, right? How many of y'all have seen this email come through? Yeah. It's just a comparison of the sizes. You have the comparison of the planets, the size of Earth, and then in the second block, here's Earth in comparison with the other planets, Jupiter. Okay, down in this one, the smallest one is Jupiter and our sun, and then Sirius, another star. These are just some of the some of the stars in the billions of billions of galaxies. Okay, and then going all the way up. These are just different sizes of stars. Aldebaran. Then here's Aldebaran down here. Whoa. Okay. So here's Betelgeuse. <laughs> here's Betelgeuse here. And this is the biggest. It's called Canis Majoris. And I think Lynette posted a video the other night that's really cool. And the guy said it's Canis Majoris. He said he likes to call it the big dog star because it's the biggest one that they found. And I don't remember the comparisons he had, but I just want you to know, what I want you to get from that is we are on that little bitty step, right? Mm. And God does things as big as that. Mm. And he fills the universe with them. He is a big God. Amen. He is worthy to be worshipped. The things that he does are worthy of worship. So when you come into a, a, a presence a room, a service like we did tonight. I mean, worship was awesome. I don't know. Amen. I, I don't think I was the only one. I felt the presence of God. The God who did this was here with us, 
and pleased with what we're doing. Come on. As if we matter. As if we have anything. What is man that you're mindful of him? Really? Why would you even care, Lord, what he does? And that just shows us that, that it's his seal of approval on us. He loves us. Okay, let's go on. So how big are your problems looking right now? <laughs> in, the, in the size of God. So let's talk about trust and fear. We're gonna, oh, wait, go back to that. Yeah, no, this is good. This is a picture of a, the universe, a, a section of the universe, and that's a brain cell. So there's no prayer. All this kind of just happened by accident, right? We start comparing those things, all the fractals and stuff. Okay, so let's talk about trust. Let's turn to Hebrews 11, because that's, that's our faith chapter. Okay, somebody read Hebrews 11, 1 for us. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Okay. Let's skip down to verse 6. Dustin, you read 6 for us? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Okay, so we see that faith is essential. Without it, you can't please God. Without it. So what is the requirement to please God? Faith. When we talk about trust, let's just make a mathematical formula here. It's going to be real simple. No addition signs, multiplication to the power of. Trust equals faith. It's pretty easy, right? So anywhere you see the word faith in the Bible, replace it with trust. Trust is an action word. Faith is kind of one of those... Christian words we grow up with, and it's just kind of like this airy thing that's out here. And oh, we just have faith, sister. Just it's okay. No, trust is an action word. It's something you have to fight for. It's something you have to work at. Fight for it. Let's read Romans four eighteen. There's all hope. Abraham and both believed, and so became the father of many nations. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So we just had this formula, right? Trust equals, oh wait, well, what did we say first? Trust. Faith equals trust. <laughs> okay. Faith equals trust. Now we're going to do another one. Trust equals righteousness. Amen. So when you struggle with that, where's your level of trust? Okay, because that, that's what's required. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is trust, which is an action word. And when you trust Him in your actions, in your daily life, it is credited to you as righteousness. <laughs> um, the opposite is true. Okay, Abraham, against all hope, did not waver. He was fully persuaded, and he gained righteousness. So what if you do waver? What if God has spoken something to you, but you waver in it? What if you are not convinced? What if you are not fully persuaded and instead of trusting God, you pick it up and you try to do it yourself? And you're going to break that formula, right? Have you all ever seen the equal sign with the line through it? Seven does not equal six, okay? So wavering 
does not equal faith, does not equal trust, does not equal righteousness. Not being persuaded that God is who he says he is, he is faithful, but, but not being persuaded of that, that equals, that does not equal trust. Okay? And I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you how it shows up. Antitrust, the opposite of trust, is fear. Fear is a lack of faith. Right? We have an, an, an acronym, fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Okay? We, we talk about that a lot. But I want to tell you, fear is antitrust. And the evidence of fear in your life, the fruit of fear in your life is complaining and resisting. So we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how that, we don't have to strain to produce that. If you are walking, keeping in step with the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, your mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace, that fruit is just naturally going to appear. Okay? Well, if you are living and you are walking in fear and you are wavering in your faith and not being fully persuaded, the evidence of that, the fruit that's just naturally going to pop up and come out of your mouth, is you're going to complain about your circumstances and you're going to resist anybody that points it out or tries to set you right. What does Proverbs 3, 5 say? Let's go there. Y'all might know this from my heart. So we're straining, right? We're wavering. That's not a straight path. And we're straining against things because we've picked something up. We've leaned on our own understanding. We've leaned on the strength of our own arm instead of trusting and acknowledging God. And acknowledging God is not just like, oh, yeah, I know you're there. Acknowledging him is giving him the place of authority in your life. It's giving him the throne in your life, acknowledging his position in your life. Not just that there is a God. The demons acknowledge that there is a God. That's right. We're, we need to acknowledge the position of authority he has in our life. And the position of authority he has in our life, if you have been born again, if you claim his name, is that he is Lord. And that means he is controller of you. Amen. So he is in control of your situation. He is in control of your circumstance. He is in control of all of that. And guess what else? He's given you a spirit of self-control. So your emotions may not be in his hand, they're in your hand, but he's given you a way to control them. Amen. You cannot be led by those things. That is causing you to waver. You're wobbling, and you cannot have a straight path. In all your ways acknowledge God, and he will make your way straight. Amen. Amen. Let's go to First Peter. Chapter 4, verse 12. Steve, will you read that to us out of the Jewish Bible? Dear friends, don't regard as strange the fiery ordeal occurring among you to test you as if something extraordinary were happening to you. Keep going. Rather, to the extent that you share the fellowship of the Messiah's sufferings, rejoice, so that you will rejoice even more when his Shekinah is revealed. It's not an extraordinary, we hear that word extraordinary, it's just kind of become like this extraordinary new laundry detergent or whatever. You know? Extraordinary is extraordinary, outside of the ordinary. So he says, do not regard this trial, this testing, this, this burden that's come upon you as something outside of the ordinary, unusual. This is supposed to happen to you 
If you belong to Christ, you're supposed to participate in, in his sufferings. And these things are, are developing character and perseverance and hope. And all you've got to let this thing work. This is discipline in your life. And discipline is not you did something wrong, you're bad. Discipline is setting you straight. It's making your path straight. Dis discipline is discipleship, right? Discipleship isn't always about you getting it wrong. It's showing you the right way to walk. When yeah. Jesus grabbed his disciples, he showed them the right way to walk. You know, he slapped a couple of them a couple times. You know, Peter, get behind me. He said some harsh things to them. That's part of it. But that's not the entirety of what d discipline is and what discipleship is. But we have this thing in mind that God's trying to harm us because we're undergoing discipline. What? Let's go back to Proverbs 3. Pastor Eric read this the other day. And this is so good. We're just going to read it again. Proverbs 3. This is what discipline brings you, right? These things. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness, faith equals what? Trust, which equals what? Okay, so let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't pick that load up yourself. Don't try to do it yourself. Lean, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Result of discipline. Good name in the sight of God. Make your path straight. Verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've got it already figured out before God has even given you instruction. I do this. I am guilty of this. I go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do about this situation? Because I know you probably want me to do this. Right, good, we're done. And I'm out the door, and that's it. Because, yeah, this feels, this feels about like what lines up with God's character. And I don't actually give him a moment to speak. Amen. If my children came to me and did that, Mom, you want me to unload the dishwasher? Good, I'm going to go do that, and then I'm going to go play. Uh, uh, come back here. <laughs> I got some other instruction for you. First you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then maybe we're going to do this. Okay? We've got to give God the opportunity to speak into our lives. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It's a good place you can come to when you realize that you're not wise. Yeah. We're not wise. We think we are. We think we've got it all together. We think because we did this for the Lord, or we've accomplished this for the Lord, that, that we've got it together and we know. We know what he would say. We know what he would do. Don't be wise in your own eyes. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Well, that's a weird scripture that really just doesn't get preached too much, right? I mean, not in our church. We preach this stuff. But you're needing health in your body. The word of God is true. And he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. Fear the Lord is recognizing his position of authority and obeying that authority. That is fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Shun evil, get rid of it wherever you see it in your life. Amen. Then this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's a promise I'm going to stand on. That's a good yeah. promise. Amen. I want to be healthy. I want to live out my years. I want to see my children grow and serve the Lord. Hey, sit right. <laughs> <laughs> Honor the Lord with your wealth. Sorry. <laughs> That's good preaching. <laughs> Honor the Lord with your wealth. How many, how many of y'all feel wealthy? Like financially, I mean, like literally, do you feel like you're wealthy? I mean, like not in comparison with the rest of the world. I mean, just like if somebody would say to you, "Are you rich?" 
codes. You know, not rich at all. Not comparison with the rest of the world, okay? But it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. This is not if you're wealthy. Whatever it is that the Lord's provided for you is in abundance because He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe you anything. So anything you have is wealth. Honor the Lord with it. With the first fruits of all your crops. Your attitude would be, whenever you get it, the first part of it goes back to the Lord. Whatever it is. I'm not talking about dollar signs. I'm talking about whatever it is. We got a garden in our backyard. We couldn't wait till those tomatoes popped up. We wanted to bring it to Pastor Eric. We wanted to bring it to Steve. We wanted to give it to somebody and give it over. And the bugs ain't it. Give it to the ground. So disappointed. Whatever it is, your attitude needs to be that. When you get an extra special blessing, something unusual, our tendency so many times is to be selfish with that. Oh, good, I'm going to buy some shoes. Oh, good, I can, we, we're going to have shrimp tonight. We're going to make a gumbo. We're going to do something good, expensive. We're going to go out to eat. The Lord is saying, think outside of that. Honor Him with that first. Your response should be, who's in need? Who can I bless? What is the Lord? Why did the Lord give this to me? Just because He wants me to be fat, rich, and lazy? No. Y'all go check the bumper stickers. I don't think so. Okay, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. So we try so hard to use our own arm and to spend our own energy and strength to fill our barns. And the Lord says, don't work in that direction. Work in my kingdom. Work in the direction of my kingdom first. Then you're, I'll take care of all of that. Your barns will be overfilling with what you actually need. Because remember the first world problems? We think we need certain things. Your cookie doesn't fit in the glass. You need a bigger glass of milk. I mean, we think we need things, and the Lord really has in mind better things for us. Okay, let's go on from here, because i got some other things I want to get to. Where are we at? I want to tell you about God's character. I've been reading um, Captivating by John and Stacy Eldridge. How many of y'all have read that book? It's a good book. How many of y'all have read, um, what's it called? The guy one? Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. I don't know where I can think of that. Wild at Heart. If you're a man, you need to read that book. If you're a man, you need to read that book. If you're a man, you love the Lord. You need, you need that book. It will help you to understand your heart and the way God created you. I'm not telling you that like it's some like, oh, you need to read this book because this tells you you need to rub your wife's feet. I'm not telling you it's not one of those books at all. It'll help you understand why you have the desires you do and that God created them and they're good and how to, how to use them purposefully and, and good for God's kingdom. It's not, um, I'm telling you, read the book. Ask my husband. It's a good book. Okay, well, they wrote another book for ladies called Captivating and it goes to the heart of a woman. Of why, why are we like we are? Why are we created this way? Why are we always so emotional? Why, why do we have these desires that God created us this way? And one of the points they make is that God created male and female. He said, let us make man in our image, male and female. He created them. So it's not just man that is in the image of God. Woman has a story to tell about who God is. And if you know any women, you know that we like to be pursued. Right? God likes to be pursued. And he's telling us a story through a woman. He's telling us this story. Chase after me. And I don't want you to do it halfway. I want your whole heart. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. I mean, like, y'all feel that way, right? You want a man to seek you with his whole heart. You don't want somebody who's just going to put forth half effort. And if you do, you're selling yourself short. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. Because you deserve it. <laughs> 29. Where am I? 
So we need I4. I don't know if this is right. Oh, yes, okay. We're going to read four and we're going to skip. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So let's just set the stage here. Who carried them into exile? The Lord. Is this a pleasant experience that's happening to them? Not at all. But who did it? The Lord. Let's see why. Skip down to 11. Oh, well, let's start in 10. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's, I mean, that's, we demonstrate that, right, ladies? When you seek me with your whole heart. And the Lord is saying the same thing. That's such a tender place that he kind of revealed to us there. He's a jealous God. He's a, he's a vengeful God. He sees the standard of righteousness. But he wants you to want him. He Amen. wants you to run after him, to Amen. pursue him. This is a good thing. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8. I know we've covered a lot of little scriptures here. Deuteronomy 8.3. So why are you in this situation? Why is this circumstance coming down upon you? Let's read this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Look at verse 5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Now, there are some circumstances that are the result of sin and chaos in your life, someone else's sin, your own sin, okay? But there are circumstances, let me just say this, take a moment to pray about it before you assign a motive to those circumstances and automatically say, well, this is just because of that person, or this is just because of the devil, or this is just because of that. The Lord may be causing you to hunger so that you will cry out to him, seek him with your whole heart, because maybe you haven't been. I know I haven't been seeking him with my whole heart. I have to get desperate. Why do we have to do that? We're so stubborn and hard-headed where we have to get to a place of desperation before we actually, like, wholeheartedly seek him. Oh, Lord, I love you. I'm going to read my Bible plan, and I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to talk to some people. But we're not desperate for him. We have to get in those places. So let's not grumble against these circumstances. God is bringing them into your life to cause you to hunger for him. Okay, I got one more thing. The Lord God is faithful. Let's go to Luke 12, 22. We were talking about earlier about provision. The things that we need. We need a provision. We need healing. We need protection. We need restoration. Real needs. 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Worry equals fear equals antitrust equals no righteousness. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, or how you look. 
Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes, and how you look. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, yet they have no storeroom or barn. Consider the hummingbird that are hours away from starvation their entire lives, but they don't seem to be stressed out about it. Right? God's providing for them, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow, or how the resurrection fern sits for a hundred years without a drop of water and yet will live. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need him. And what do we know about him? He is faithful. He knows that you need him, that you need these things, and he's not hanging you out to dry. He's not just kind of seeing how long you can last. Oh, oh, a hundred years? Okay, now we squirt some water on you so you can come back to life. He's not doing it for his amusement. He knows what you need, and he is faithful. He is coming through for you. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. He will fill your storeroom while you are honoring him with your wealth. He's going to take care of all of those things. I want to tell y'all one more sign. i got another thing I want to show y'all. Will you pull up this um, that picture of the stars? I want to show y'all how far God's faithfulness goes back. Let's turn to Genesis 2-7. refresh ourselves on how God created us. <coughs> Verse 7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God reached down and he grabbed something that was dead that had no life, right? He just grabbed the dust and he breathed into it. And that is awesome. That is a miracle. But I want to tell you something else that's a miracle. I want to tell you where that dust came from because this is going to blow your mind. Okay. Dust, the elements in our body, y'all look at your hands, y'all know what we're comprised of. The human body has 67 times 10 to the 26th power. That's 67 with 26 zeros behind it. That's how many atoms we have in our body. Okay? And all of these atoms, we have elements, right? We're mostly made up of oxygen, hydrogen, carbon. He got all that from the dust of the ground. But where did the elements come from? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we just kind of assign all of that to them, right? Because the days of creation don't tell us about when he created hydrogen, when he created carbon, when he did all those things. But I'm going to tell you when he did it. This is pretty awesome. God creates them in things called supernovas. And this is, this is when a star explodes. The last time I preached, I talked to you all a little bit about stars and how they burn and those kind of things. It's really kind of neat what they do, how the fusion inside of them. So go to the next slide. A star that's about to explode when it's kind of lived out its life. A normal star like our sun is burning um, hydrogen, turning it into helium. That's what gives off the heat. So we're taking hydrogen and we're 
fusing it together, and we're making helium. Have you all ever seen the periodic table of elements? Yes. Okay. So you've got different numbers assigned to them because they're different weights, and they have different uh, protons and neutrons circling around them and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so at the top you have hydrogen is number one, then helium is number two because God started with hydrogen, mm -hmm. and he fused it together, and he made helium. And then he fused that together and makes lithium and barium, and then he starts making boron. And then there's carbon, which is in our body, and then nitrogen and oxygen and so forth. Okay, go back to the, the sun, the one right before this. Okay, so as a star is just living out its life, eventually it starts to run out of fuel, and so it starts fusing the helium together, so it's making more and more. So the helium, the hydrogen and helium are in that outer layer, then the next one is helium and nitrogen, and helium and carbon, and then oxygen. It's, it, the, the density of the star starts to collapse, and the weight of it, the gravity of it, and all of these things are just pressing in, and they're starting to make the heavier metals, and then it just gets too much, and it explodes, and it spews all of these elements out into the universe, and they float around as dust, and then eventually it kind of forms a ball, like, I don't know, the earth, okay, and, and then God reaches down into the earth and breathes into it, but I want to tell you all where, these, where this came from, let's turn up Psalm uh, 33. Okay, I'm going to read this first part. This is for you now. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp or the Taylor guitar. <laughs> Make music to him on the ten-string ten lyre. Sing to him a new song. A new songs. Play skillfully and shout for joy. <laughs> hey, this is a good part. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. So did he make you? Yes. Maybe he didn't grab you. Maybe you weren't Adam. He didn't grab you out of the ground, but... Adam's your ancestor, and he made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He made you. He's faithful in all he does. He doesn't have accidents. And, Oops, I didn't mean to do this. Oops, I... He's faithful in all he does. So if he began it, he's going to finish it. And you can count on that. He is faithful. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Look at this, verse 6. Where did the stars come from? Mm. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. So he breathed out these stars that made the elements that are in your hands right now. The science world is fond of saying that we're all stardust. That's so cool. Let me get a tattoo that says that I'm stardust. <laughs> yeah, but when God made the star, that makes, that's even better because by the breath of his mouth, he breathed that out and then billions of years pass, right? Billions of years pass and he reaches down and breathes into it again, more personal breath, his very spirit, into that dust to make you. So you're not important to him. He doesn't care about you. He's forgotten you. No, I'm going to tell you where he has not forgotten you. Let's go to Isaiah 49. Forty-nine, fourteen. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Why would they say that? Mm -hmm. Have they always gotten it right? Mm -hmm. 
Jericho. They weren't perfect. They had sinned grievously against the Lord. They had disobeyed his commands to the nth degree. So they had a reason to say that the Lord has forsaken me and forgotten. Well, yeah, you kind of deserve it. But what does God say? Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? But she may forget, I will not forget you. And I'm not saying you sinned as bad as Israel sinned. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, I do know some of y'all, but <laughs> I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He is faithful. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. He is faithful. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. He is faithful. It says if, if, we, are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive. He is faithful. He is faithful in all that he does. He's faithful in your circumstances. He is faithful in your healing. He is faithful in your provision. He's going to restore you. He is faithful in these things. Do you know that you're the apple of his eye? Let's turn to Zechariah 2.8. I like this. I, I, as much as I like the Lord being compassionate and wanting to be pursued, I, I like this aspect of his, of his character also. verse 8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After he has honored me and has sent me against the nations that have plundered you. This is the part. This is, this is the brackets right here. For whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. Oh, yeah. When I was a teenager, if a boy would fight for me, okay. Yeah, I'll be your, I'll be your girlfriend if you'll fight for me. I want somebody to fight for me. I want somebody to take up my cause. When someone wrongs me, I want the Lord to take up my cause. I want Amen. Him to fight for me. Whoever touches you, touches the apple of my eye. Nobody better mess with you because I've bought you with my blood. You're the apple of His eye. Of course He's going to provide for you. Of course He's going to heal you. Of course He's going to take care of you. You're the apple of His eye. Look at Deuteronomy 32. You don't have to go there. I'll read it to you if you don't want to. Yeah. 32.10 In a desert land he found them In a barren and howling waste He shielded him and cared for him He guarded him as the apple of his eye Where did the Lord find you? I'm sure he didn't find you when you had everything all together And your life was just perfect Everything was going good I was in a barren waste of a mess were you in a barren waste of a mess? I was in a mess. I desperately needed the Lord. Like Eric's been preaching, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate it. If you have never been there before where you were desperate for the Lord, your salvation might be in question. Because we all have to get to that place where we realize that without Him we're nothing. We are nothing. We are a mess. But then He says, He saw us in that mess. In that mess. And He says, He guarded Him as the apple of His eye. He was so tender. Why would he even care about us? But he, he gathered us up and he breathed into it. I mean, this is beautiful. God, God loves us. Go to Proverbs 7, 2, because this is pretty interesting. When you look at, do a word search on the apple of the eye, we are the apple of God's eye, but he tells us something about the apple of our eye. Let's start in one. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. 
Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsmen. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, from the world, from the, the desires and lust of this world. He says, you are the apple of my eye, and I watch over you. What you need to watch over is my commands. You need to be on the straight path. You need to trust me with your very life. You need to be like that hummingbird where you're hours away from starvation. It doesn't matter because you're dependent upon the Lord. He's created you to draw from a unique source and he's provided the source for you. He didn't create you with a set of needs and then say, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Or I'll get to you in a minute because I'm busy with this family. He created you with needs because he wanted to provide for you so he could show you that he was faithful and you could trust him and you would seek him and you would run after him and your faith would be expressed as trust and action in your life so he could credit to, to you righteousness and bring you into his presence. This is a good God. Let's turn to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or of what circumstance? I want y'all to know that I was talking with a, a good friend last night, and I was telling her, I said, the Lord has done this with me, and I don't know if he does this with everybody else, but he's definitely done it with me. Where every year, I feel like every year, he gives me a task or a set of, set of tasks that are just way beyond me. Like, okay, way beyond me. And I think, there's no way I can do this, Lord. I'm just going to be a miserable failure. I can't do this, Lord. And I would cry out to him. It caused me to cry out to him. And I struggle through. I feel like he threw me in the deep end. He says, learn to swim. And I do. And I do good. And I get to the end of that year. I'm like, whew, that was good. All right. I'm doing good. And then he takes whatever level that was and kicks it up like double. And as makes that year look totally easy, like, oh, God, I complained about that. I mean, seriously, that was a breeze. I felt like that when we had our first baby. I was just, I mean, I was totally outdone. I had to, like, hold a cup of water while I was nursing the baby because I just was so nervous about everything, and it was overwhelming. And then we had two, and I thought, oh, my God, having one. I mean, that's like a lazy time. That is so easy, you know? And then we had three, and then we moved. It was always, like, every year was always so much more. And this past year for me is really, was really kind of difficult because the Lord tasked me with some certain things in our household to homeschool our children. But not only now going from homeschooling one child, I'm going to homeschool three of them. But no, I want you to do it up at the church. And I want you to supervise some other children. And I want you to do it in the sanctuary so you don't have all the comforts of home. You don't have all the things that you thought you were going to have. But I want you to do it. And I want you to do it in faithfulness. And I thought crazy, y'all all crazy, I'm going to do it, and it's going to fail, and y'all all going to see Cassie was right, and y'all going to feel sorry for me, so I marched into it, and it, it didn't fail, it didn't fall, because God provided, because he called me to it, and he had asked me to do it, and he wasn't going to leave me, and so we did it, and we worked through it, and we trudged through, and we came up with some awesome things, and then come halfway through the year, the Lord began speaking to me about the next year. I was like, what? I'm just getting my footing with this. How can So now we had six students. Now we're going to have 16 students. Yeah. The Lord is amazing. But you know what? He's provided the vision. He's provided the children. He's even given us furniture. Brother Curtis, thank you very much. The Lord is faithful. He's going to take care of this. So as daunting as this, I've never taught a class. I mean, I've taught my children, but I've never taught it. I'm not a teacher. I don't have a degree. I've never taught a class before. But you know what? I know I'm learning 
And I'm standing on the fact that He is faithful. And He's going to come through for me. He's going to give me these things. Let's go to uh, verse... The whole thing is so good. But let's go to verse 13 because I want to leave y'all with this. He is faithful. Okay? He's faithful. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord because He is faithful and He's going to come through for you. Amen. Whatever it is, He is faithful. Wait on Him. He's going to come through for you. A lot of you can do it. You can say things like, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. We can quote it. But it means without faith that He exists in your present situation. And that He will reward you for seeking Him in that situation. You all know He exists, but you know He exists when you have to pull the second ship, when you're tired, when you're beat up, when you feel like nobody's listening to you. Yeah. Cass preached a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Deuteronomy says 10 times, starting in the 21st verse, do not be afraid. 10 times. You think God was trying to get something across to us? Maybe my favorite verse in all of the Bible is Psalm 85. Psalm 85, verse 11. It says, When faithfulness springs up from the earth, righteousness looks down. Then in a very poetic, beautiful way, it says they meet. They kiss in the streets. I want to encourage you to push past your fear. To push past your difficulty. The devil is a master of telling you, you are all alone, you are the martyr. Nobody understands. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Next, he begins to tell you that the people that God put in your life to help you and encourage you are the enemy. They're down on me. They're beating me up. It's not ever them, it's really him. We really, really heard a good word tonight. We need to be wise to it. I know some of you, so I heard your scriptures, your favorite scriptures quoted. And it was unplanned, except it was planned by the Lord. Cass said that a star in the heavens that was breathed into existence by God was responsible for seeding the dust of the earth at God's command. Do you know what he did when he picked up that dust? The Hebrew word is nashuma. It is a violent wind that he put into it. 
It was with purpose. He took something earthly and something heavenly. And you were the union between the two. You're never separated from Him unless you choose to be. You're never an alien on the earth. You're an alien in this world system, but this is your home. You can handle it. I promise you can. So when the devil's dragged you out to a place and he says, because you sinned or someone else sinned or because they think you sinned, you'll never succeed here. You can't make it now. Now's just a place where I kill you. Laugh in his face and say, I'm still here. And every time you take a breath, you know what that is? It's a reminder that you're unique among God's creations. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And when you stand to your feet, let faithfulness spring up. You ever let loose an uncoiled spring? It could kill a man. You really want to see Jesus move in your life? Sometimes we need to die just a little bit. We get afraid, guys. We think we're at the end of something. It just can't go any further. Ask yourself, did I feel that way last month? Well, well, yeah, and yet I'm still here. The devil wants to steal from us. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. Don't let him. Don't let him. We will always be making course corrections as a ministry, as families. But whatever we do, let us have faith in our heart that God has the very best plan for us and has not abandoned us. That's faithfulness. And you know what? Righteousness will look down on that faithfulness. They will meet. They will kiss. They have beautiful offspring, fruit in your life. And it is so worth it. Let the devil twist you into a knot. You have the right to tell him no right now. If you felt your heart pricked about something that needs to change, do it. Do it. Don't make us beg you. Do it. No altar call tonight. Your altar call is in your life. It starts when you wake up tomorrow when the alarm clock goes off. Let that be your altar call. Amen? Amen. Join hands. We're weird Christians. If they look really uncomfortable, put your arm on their shoulder. I never wanted the faith of a hummingbird before, but I do now. <laughs> and if I thought I could have painted by eating a hummingbird cake, I'd start tonight. Oh, yeah. But it comes from eating the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Cass said that the apple of our eye needed to be filled with the commands of God. The Hebrews call that the ayin tovah, the good eye. Said when a man's eye is good, his whole body's full of light. Tonight we can fill our hearts and minds with what His Word says. And that's life. It's not a burden. It's godliness. It's liberation. It's reviving to the soul. Mighty God, we thank You for the Word that we've heard. Lord, we thank You for the feast that You have given us. Holy One, we ask that it would spring up into our us. That it would be faithfulness in us. Not that Your righteousness could rain down that there would be a resurrection bird in our lives, Lord God. Feed us even as you feed the hummingbird.